Welcome to, ah, welcome to Drink, Spin, Run, the <laughs> the talk show where Adam interrupts his co-host, Don Stroud. <laughs> That's me, my lovely co-host, Adam Miskevich. And our special guest tonight is Mr. Raphael Chandler, uh, game designer and novelist. I know that uh, he pro- he wants to, to pimp his latest works, right? Uh, he, while he's the author of the novels Hex Communica- or novel Hex Communicated, he also recently released Astounding Antagonists. How can we get that now, uh, Raphael? Uh, it is available on Amazon, uh, on Amazon as a Kindle book and also in print. And for those of you who use Lulu, uh, it's also available on Lulu. Excellent. Right. And uh, Raphael's also a prolific game designer. Uh, I'm sure our listeners uh, are aware of some of the stuff he's done, like uh, the game Pandemonio, a lot of the old school stuff he's released, like the uh, Tyrannic Tome, Slaughter Grid. Um, and recently he's done a lot of work for Lamentations of the Flame Princess, including No Salvation for Witches, Obscene Serpent Religion, and I can't remember the name of, what's your Lost World thing that you're doing with them? World of the Lost. Oh, yeah, great. How could I forget that? Yeah. Good, good job, Adam. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and Mike Mike Evans was supposed to join us today, but he got a promotion at work, so he's probably really busy doing stuff for that. I know he's also got to work early, so maybe he'll join us later, and that would be exciting. If not, uh, Mike, congratulations. Hope this means great things for you, man. So let's let's get this show started. Uh, Raphael, what are you drinking? Got a something called Hell's Bell with an E on the end. It's got a picture of a pretty girl. Her hair looks like it might be fire. Apparently, this right. is a Belgian-style ale. This Belgian-style ale is brewed locally, uh, right down the street from where I live. 7% by volume, so that's nice. Nice. Yeah, but I actually haven't tasted it yet. One of the guys brought it over for game night the other night, and I didn't drink any, so. At first, pretty damn at first sip, what do we got? Is it? I like it. I like it. I'm really picky about Belgians in general. Like, uh, there's so many of them, I feel like way too hoppy, you know, Um it's just, I don't know why they get so sweet and weird, like all that Hogarden-y stuff. It's just not, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not too keen on all that. That having been said, one of my favorites, my favorite beers that's brewed in the, this country is a Belgian wheat. It's the um, Brasserie Blonde from ABC down the road, Don. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that stuff's amazing. Um, Don, what are you drinking? I'm uh, drinking Founder's Dirty Bastard because it's all I had in my fridge. <laughs> Not that I'm complaining, yeah, because it's a fine uh, Scotch ale, and uh, uh, you can make drinking. a mean cheddar ale soup with it too. Can you? I don't know. Did you catch oh, the yeah. thing that Harley Stroh posted on our last episode about the uh, the the uh, drinking game, the DSR drinking game? No. Well, I did you, not at all. You, you should actually go look for that. Uh, you're supposed to take yeah. a drink. One of the th- anytime like the stuff that we mention a lot shows up. Uh, one of those things being founders. So uh, founders came up. So oh yeah, here we go. Nice, nice. Right. I was it going was to make one where every time someone said Doug Kovacs, we would that's have another to drink. one. Yeah, that's on the okay. So here we go. Because that's on the that's on Harley's list too. Uh, it's basically any of our Waldos. You know, whenever any one of those oh, pops yeah. up, someone's yeah. got a drink. So. Um, what are you drinking, Adam? Well, let me tell you, uh, I am drinking from Tri-City Brewing in Bay City, Michigan, uh, Hell's Half Mile German-style Helles Lager. Um, 
It's pretty good. It huh. is very Germany, you know, very Germany, <laughs> Germanish, you know, um, Germanic. Yes, it's got that. Uh, it's a Hellas for sure. I don't know. Yeah, hell yes, it's a Hellas. They could not hire me for marketing. It would be bad. But it's good. I like it. Um, got nothing else. I've never had a uh, anything from uh, Tri City Brewing before, but I saw it on the shelf. Figured it's more Michigan beer. I should give it a shot. Don, nice. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never even heard of that. But I, you know, I grew up close to uh, Bay City. We would skip school and go down there uh, to the mall and buy like heavy metal cassette tapes. That's a great thing to do. I'm very proud of you for having done right? that. This is why are we so yeah. low energy today? What's going on? Um, I don't. I didn't have to work today, so I'm kind of like out of uh, out of sorts. And there's horrible lag coming from your end, which may be what? part of it too. Um, it's the right, it's we, the temperatures. I bet right because the internet has frozen, and it's mm-hmm, moving mm-hmm. slower. Right? Isn't that that's yeah, how it works? Yeah. 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 Are you in the north, Raphael? Are you experiencing these uh, negative temperatures we are in Michigan? I'm in uh, North Carolina. We're actually going to get oh. uh, as much as a quarter inch of snow, so we've pretty much battened down the hatches and uh, oh yeah, sent up signal flares. So that shuts you guys down in the south, right? I smashed the dining room table up for kindling. We're uh, <laughs> we're going Donner party first thing in the morning, so. It's an old honor party. It's just good that that's on the table. I mean, so everybody knows what to expect, you know? The the young and the weak die first, and so the strong and the healthy can rebuild, right? I mean, that's, that's how it goes, right? You know, I, on the topic of cannibalism, that's that's totally yeah. popping up in the Metal Gods game this day, these days, because I've been running, yeah. uh, I started running um, Daniel Bishop's, uh, oh, uh, the Arwitch Grinder. I've been ri- running that. Um, which is uh, introduced a lot of like crazy hill cannibalism to the the Metal Gods group, and I nice. just saw Ravenous for the first time. I'd never seen Ravenous. Um, wow! Which was yeah, that was weird uh, that I hadn't seen. I didn't know it was that old. Uh, it's got all those '90s guys in it. Like all of the guys from the '90s are in that movie. It's weird. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my list. <laughs> Isn't that, okay? All right, so. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, so I, I thought I was slacking not seeing it, so it's good to know you're slacking more than I am. It's on Netflix now, right? It is, yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of Netflix, um, Adam, I'm bouncing it back to you. What are you spinning? <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with Netflix at all, but uh, yeah, so I have nothing new. Like I've discovered no awesome new music in the last couple of weeks. But I did spend basically a whole weekend, not this last weekend, but the weekend before, when I went to a Marmalade Dog Convention in Kalamazoo. All I was listening to all weekend was old school ska, like first wave ska, and, well, I guess a little bit of second wave ska, but first wave ska, like the Clarendonians and uh, Toots and the Maytals, uh, and the Wu-Tang Clan. And I don't know where all this came from. It's got to be a Kalamazoo thing for me, because Kalamazoo was, like, in my brain, that's that's where, you know, I got in a... The Wu Tang, actually, it's not, but this, you know, where the most Wu Tang Clan listening happened in my life, and <laughs> as as the most ska listening in my life as well. So it must be like that thing. Once I'm driving down the highway and I'm getting about to 94, it's like, oh well, it must be time to listen to the Wu Tang Clan. Oh, it must be time to put the specials on. Who knew? You know, but uh, it irritated all the people who were driving around with me, uh, which I guess just amounted to Andrew Moss. But uh, oh yeah, good stuff. If you're not familiar. Toots and the Maytals is like is amazing, amazing music. No, yeah. nobody knows. I'm no? on board with that. 
they did one of my most favorite songs ever, Pressure Drop, and they did it well. Yeah, yeah. I have a bunch of their CDs. Oh, good. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Funky yeah. Kingston is my shit right there. That's my yeah. jam. I could say a lot about that, but instead I'm going to skip on to Raphael. That's what are idea. you spinning? <laughs> uh, lately, a lot of death metal. Been listening to Inanimate Existence. They have a new album, The, uh, the Neverending Cycle of Atonement. And then there's another band, uh, Beyond Creation. They put out an album a couple years ago called The Aura, but they have a new one out, Earthborn Evolution. Really, really technical, hyper-complicated, and strangely mellow, even though it's blisteringly fast, extremely distorted and guttural. It's very cult, very brutal. But I, I could just jam to technical, complicated death metal all day. Hmm. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Good I don't know if it's, it's funny. I mean... Yeah, there comes a point at which, like, you make something complicated enough and it becomes soothing, right? Because it's almost, like, hypnotic and all the little patterns, you know, laid on top of each other, maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of talking out of my ass. No, no. And even even if it's, like, ripping your head off, like, at certain levels, it's, like, it just becomes, like, this ambient noise, I think. Yeah, kind of like, you know, um, this is not just pandering to the fact that I saw all of the posters behind... Raphael. But, you know, like Maiden, right? Maiden does some complicated mm. stuff, but it's like, it's, you know, uh, while it's technically really interesting, it does, you know, it doesn't like, you know, like beat you over the head with that. Like a lot of like, say like prog rock stuff, I think kind of, kind of tends to do right. Instead, it just kind of just slips in right. and, you know, lulls you into this, you know, like focus for me. All right. I don't know. Your results may vary. Um, have you listened to, I know there are a couple of bands called the ocean, but um, they're always one of the ones that I just kind of feel like they're ripping my face off. Maybe like Precambrian is one of their albums and Aeolin something or other. Like, is this a positive out. face ripping or is this a negative face ripping? Oh, it's oh, it's good. It's it's just like <laughs> the most intense, just like thick slabs of probably more death or even black than uh, any other metal, I guess. Yeah. Not more death, but I'm putting it in that category. Right. You know. I, find, I find myself listening to a lot more black metal these days than I ever did. You know, I don't know if it's like a realization that it's really black metal is just kind of like satanic punk, you know, and I'm kind of OK with that. You know, it's just, it doesn't hurt anything. It's good stuff. Don, what are you spinning? So I pulled out this uh, small box set of Tom Waits uh, mm. called Orphans, Brawlers, yeah. Ballers and Bastards. And... I was always kind of not really pleased with it because it feels like just a bunch of leftover shit, and it just is exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in the title, orphans, and he even said, "Oh, it's just, oh, uh, you know." He probably said something like this: "It's just, oh, you know, stuff it's just stuff that fell behind the stove." <laughs> so you got to scratch that's what your beard on, when you're talking in my like car. Times. I've been jamming that in my car. I did listen to some specials, too, on Friday, which is really weird that you were. Although I was going with NWA instead of... Um, oh, instead... Yeah. Routine. Yeah. You're you're slightly more old school than me in that fashion. I've never been a big NWA guy, Why? which is not to say that I have any problem with them. It's just, you know, it's more of a Wu-Tang, you know, Dr. Dre, Wu-Tang kind of guy. Not that Dr. Dre and Wu-Tang have anything to do with one another, but, you know. Where's their energy? I bet Come somebody's on. reading we gotta, something. We got to... Seriously, pump this up, guys. Let me I'm just pump do this. Don, what are you reading? So I pulled out Hellboy, the library editions. Right. The fourth volume. I like that stuff. It's pretty great. I am going to confess that I've never actually read Hellboy. Mm. 
You should. I like Mike Mignola's art. I mean, I liked, uh, he did, he did Grendel back in the day, right? I don't know. He's done like a whole bunch of like weird Viking stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Like he did, uh, covers for Frit, uh, the, the Fafford and the Grey Mauser comics from Dark Horse as well. Yeah. Anyway, how, you, what do you, what are you thinking? What do you, what, do you have any new thoughts on the Hellboy stuff? Um, I think you should totally read it because it might hit you right. It, it hits me right in a certain, uh, spot, especially. Is it like just a, you know, behind the anus? Is that where it gets you? <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I was thinking more by the heart. Oh, no, but I just read, uh, I think it's called the crooked man, which is totally riffing off manly Wade Wellman Mm -hmm. story. Um, it's got, you know, it's in the South. There's like, witches, the devil, a kindly old, you know, wandering spinster tech guy. And then Hellboy. Um, I mean, it seems, yeah, I think you'd like it. Were I to start at any point with Hellboy, where where would you think the best part, place to start? Because it could be in the beginning, but I know a lot of folks, you know, they don't really hit their stride till like later or something like that. No, you could start with the first volume. I mean, okay. these are these are super fat. If if you need to jump in here, Raphael, you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the the Hellboy stories are great because they're self contained, so you can really jump in and out of the. Uh, the graphic novel and be done with it and then move on to another one that was the wolves of uh christ it's been decades the wolves of saint augustine or yeah the wolves of yeah, was, saint uh, uh anyhow that was the second graphic novel that i picked up and that was the second i guess mini series and i i really enjoyed that style of storytelling where you could wait for the graphic novel collection of that particular arc and you wouldn't have to worry about infinite crossovers and other comics telling additional side stories even when he moved on to bpr yeah. was it bprd oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and that became its own thing. It was still easy to uh, to follow. God, this would have been in college, I guess. This would have been way back. Yeah, I was going to long time. I was going to say, haven't we like pretty much now that the '90s are over? Haven't we like left the time of like the awful crossover behind? I oh, mean, I know that no. Marvel still does that every once in a while, yeah. and like every two, three years, DC's got to flush their universe down the toilet and rebuild it. But they did. But, they um, they just did Darkest Night, and then they followed that up with um, Oh Christ, I can't remember now. No, that's that's still the norm, tragically, between the big two at any rate. That's, is it? Yeah, they. You know, yeah. Marvel's getting ready to I do kinda... the new. Um, what is it? I guess it's underway now. Axis. That was the one where the villains are heroes and the. Really. Yeah. I don't know, man. I've not been paying attention to comics for quite some time. I, but, you know. I wish that I still had I, I, the time and the money, but the the money's the killer for me. You know, until there's an app that I can, yeah. until there's a way I can really read. The same amount of uh, this is kind of a ridiculous way to. I shouldn't think of it in terms of how much it costs, but honestly, it it is expensive to read a comic book. It does get expensive. Yeah. yeah. The thing that was the nail in the coffin for me, I, tr- I I'm a, I'm more of a DC guy these days anyway uh, than Marvel, uh, and it's because I was an X books guy back in the day, and uh, because I was an X books guy, I. You know, just really got so tired of the the crapping on stuff. I mean, once Grant Morrison left New X Men, I just really my interest waned, uh, and then it got all like hyper nineties again. And I was like, right, I'm done, <laughs> throwing up my hands. Let's yeah. go see what DC has going on. And it was about that time that I absolutely fell. In, well, I, I guess before that, I'd fallen in love with Green Arrow because Green Arrow was a badass. Then the New Fifty Two Green Arrow, just nope, sorry, way too much like that. TV show, you know, to be, it's not actually Green Arrow, it's just Green Arrow flavored stuff, you know, 
like Iron Age '90s badassery, you know. Which I'm no thanks. That's yeah. my take. That's why I signed off of comics lately. Raphael Chandler, what are you reading? <laughs> Let's see. I guess two things of interest. The first one is uh, Perfidia. I don't know if you guys ever read James Elroy. Uh, he's a crime writer, writes these these crime novels. Mm-hmm. A couple of them have been made into movies. There was L.A. Confidential yeah. and Black Dahlia. And um, I've never read any of his stuff, but I am familiar with uh, with the writer, uh, the veteran in the neighborhood that my wife and I, you know, try to help out with, like taking him to the VA and stuff like that. He's a big fan, so great. I hear frequently about it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Relentlessly horrific stuff. It is probably among the most nightmarish fiction I think I've ever read. And it's also interesting because his voice tends to evolve over time. In the beginning, the books that he wrote in the early 80s read like conventional mystery novels. Stories about cops Mm. chasing serial killers written in a pretty ordinary style. That is to say, if you sat down and read it, you'd say, yeah, this is the English language. (laughs) <laughs> but what got interesting is that over time, he he became uh, very terse, and his style has been described as telegraphic. It reads like a telegram. It's very short and punchy and direct, almost to the point where it is difficult for someone just getting into his work to really to really understand what the hell is happening in his later novels. It's, I've had people, and I've tried to loan them books, and they say this isn't fiction i don't know what the hell this is this is some kind of weird poetry it doesn't make sense none of the words on this page make sense to me but if you immerse yourself into it gradually beginning with his earlier works and reading them chronologically it flows perfectly naturally and right now i'm reading one that's among his finest and it's it's the latest in a long series it's anyhow it's it's just really good his his work is fascinating because he tends to write not only about cops and serial killers but the assassination of jfk the life of Martin Luther King, and, and and the characters who were involved with the assassinations of both men, and the horrible things that were going on in Vietnam, and the drug trade. It, it's it's a very contemporary American history meshed with really unpleasant fiction, and it's terrific for that. So I, I'm very happy that he's released a new novel. And I'm also doing a great deal of research into the Incas, my ancestors. And I've been reading a number of textbooks and, and, and nonfiction accounts of their lives. And there's one tidbit that I found really interesting. There were these people, uh, I pronounce this incorrectly, the Chinchorros, and they were in Peru and, and what is modern-day Chile, and they had a practice of mummification that predates what the Egyptians did by thousands of years. And what was really wild was the way they did it. They would begin by, obviously, cutting off all of your skin, and getting rid of whatever they didn't need, the guts, the brains, the bowels, just put it in that trash can over their gym. And then they would stuff you full of whatever they had on hand. Clay, feathers, twigs, reeds, candy canes left over from Christmas. Whatever they had, they would just shove it in your carcass. And then they would smoke you like a barbecue. They would put you on a pallet, light a fire, and smoke you out, dry you. And then once you were nice and dried out... They would pack some clay to fill in whatever crevices remained and then put the skin back on, stitch it up so you looked perfectly natural, good as new. But they would dispose of your face. They didn't need that anymore. And they would pack clay all over your skull and sort of shape it so it kind of looked like you, but not really. And then they'd get some cat hair or whatever they had on hand, and that would be your, your hair. They'd put that on your scalp and let the clay dry. And then... They would keep you around for quite a while, and there are numerous theories. Was it because this was a way to ease the passage? Because I know that I think that 
if I died, it would certainly help my loved ones deal with the loss by unzipping me, stuffing me full of clay and feathers and zipping me back up with a clay face. I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. We all know that would help. Or the other, opportun- the other possibility is that this was an opportunity for some kind of ancestor worship, right? That, but what's interesting about it is that among the Egyptians, this ancestor worship took the place of the, the, the deceased elites, right? The dead pharaoh went to be with the gods. Right. Not the normal people. But among the chinchorros, it was everybody. It was egalitarian. Anybody who died could be subjected to this treatment. It wasn't just for the leaders. It was for anyone. Um, and I find that fascinating. And having a, hasn't, a, hasn't a large number of these mummies like survived relatively intact I mean, to the modern age? Several hundred. Several hundred. Yeah, and I mean, the that's, kicker that's a, is that... Uh, Egyptian, that's a remarkable amount. It is. It is. It's absolutely glorious because Egyptian... Well, Egyptian civilization began around 3000 BC. These... Mummies in in modern day Peru and Chile date back to seven thousand BC, four thousand years before Egypt's civilization began. Let alone before they had perfected their own take on the mummification procedure. So it is absolutely wonderful reading about this and, and learning about how how the process was handled. That's been a lot of fun. That's neat. That is really cool. Uh, I I know uh, in the nineties a. I I fell down that particular rabbit hole uh, because um, you know not not for reasons of uh, you know studying my own ancestors you know because Polish people don't mummify anybody ever uh, <laughs> they've not been around that long uh, but um, you know I, I think it was a World of Darkness game that had me like going off in that direction you know like mm. uh, trying to lend authenticity to a thing back in the nineties like you did you know yeah but uh, mm. absolutely fascinating stuff like like. Absolutely. Fa- I'm with you, man. Yeah. What are you reading, Adam? I'm not reading anything new. Um, no? I'm not. Uh, I'm still working on Warlock of the Witch World. That's kind of like, that's the light daytime reading, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, The King in Yellow when I have the energy, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Because that can take a bit out of you. I'm going to, I'm I, I'm more than, I mean, I was halfway done last time we talked. I haven't yeah. made that much more progress because I've gotten into stuff that's a little bit more taxing you know the first half of that book is really it moves swiftly um it it hits its punches you know pretty pretty wisely and then it does kind of slow down after the after the middle and it starts putting in denser chunks of material that you have to digest differently than the beginning um and i clearly don't know what's 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 waiting for me at the end but uh it's it's gotten slightly more difficult reading, so I will yeah. admit to like you know choosing in my off time to instead like focus a little bit more reading on like gaming related stuff. So there's that. There's gaming related stuff because there's been a lot of cool stuff that's been you know hitting the table lately. I don't. I that's the actual like table reading though, so that's not that important to this conversation. So I got nothing new for you, man. I got nothing. Right. Yeah. So Raphael. You mentioned yeah. that you were just running a game the other night. What are you running these days? A uh, little bit of everything. A lot. The other night was uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. It was actually the final playtest for uh, a hex crawl and adventure that I'd written called The World of the Lost, which is set in Africa in the early 1600s on this mythical plateau where time has been forgotten and dinosaurs and other megafauna still 
thrive. And uh, it was the final playtest with my gaming group, which is a pretty long-running group. We've been gaming together since about 2000, 2001. 2001. Well, that's a long time, yeah. Yeah, quite a, quite a long run, a good run. So, yeah, we got together and played some Lamentations. Nobody died. Nobody died. So I don't know how I feel about that emotionally, but it was still a fun session. It was a really good session. Shit got dealt with. How often do you get to, how often do you get to play? It varies because we get together a lot, but lately, by lately I mean the past three to six years, a lot of our activities are either related to getting the families together so the kids can play and the wives can talk because we're all friends with one another's wives and kids. You know, our kids play together. The wives all go out and hang out. And and we often have, you know, a game night may well be a session of rock band on the Xbox 360 where everybody brings their wife over and we all just drink and play rock band for a few hours. So getting together to game, it depends. Actually, sometimes it's board game night. So there's... On the other hand, if we get a campaign going, we can play the same game fairly often until we've exhausted the the narrative and and closed up some loop of story and and then move on to the next thing, whatever that might be. So it's pretty chaotic, but I like it that way. I like it that way. I I do miss the old days. There was a time, college, when I could play every single evening. For yeah. weeks at a time, and really just explore a dungeon, a mega dungeon. It's an, in its entirety, or level characters up from one to thirty, and then they ascend to godhood or whatever nonsense it was at the time. Hmm. But yeah, at forty years old, that's just not possible for me. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way for me anymore with everything else in my life. So I stole Don's gaming group, or at least a chunk of it. Uh, I stole it from him. And uh, now these guys he's been playing with for about that kind of length of time, they're my players now, damn it. Uh, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm joking, of course, because they still play with Don as well. But uh, yeah. like, You can like, have those guys. Oh, oh, that's what he's, who he's talking about. And I've, I, you know, it's not just, it's, for me, I'm playing more now than I did when I was in college and I was playing, you know, you know, every week, you know, now I'm playing three or four times every week. You, you've been there for part of it, Raphael. You've seen some of it. Uh, Don has too. He's been, uh, he's been along for some of the ride, but, uh, just the, the pace at which, you know, I'm gaming now is really weird. I did not expect it to accelerate as quickly as it has, uh, but that's that's you know gaming online for you. Do you do you only? I mean, I know I've gamed with you over the internet, Raphael. Uh, do you own, mostly game live, or do you still get some online stuff as well? Well, I was earlier talking about my regular gaming group of people that I meet in in Meet Space, but yeah, I game online all the time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do. I I do. I've run a lot of games, and I played in a lot of other people's games. Um, really fond of Hot War. This game came out a few years ago. It really works well for for hangout gaming. It's a it's about espionage and spies back in, during the Cold War, but with a very heavy supernatural element to it, a very weird war sensibility to it. Played a lot of Call of Thulu. Play tested a little bit, I guess, of the seventh edition back in the the day last year when they were gearing up right. for the release. A lot of random OSR stuff. A lot of story games. Played a lot of story games like Fiasco, Endurance, and, and uh, I'm trying to think of um, a lot of Apocalypse World Houston. stuff, right? A lot of the, the Asterisk World games. So huge, yeah. huge 
online gaming uh, scene, and I love it. I love everything about it. I love the fact that at any well, you, given time, you can just say, anybody up for something? Yeah. Well, you actually wrote a game. I forgot about that until just now. I know you wrote ViewScream to be played, you know, like, via uh, a setup like this. Yeah, that was actually the goal, was to create a game that really wouldn't work at a table. It would have to be played. <laughs> it would have to be played via Hangout or Skype or some other video chat program, because the characters in the game are members of a ship's crew that are stranded all over the spaceship, or in some cases, two different spaceships that have collided, or a spaceship and a space station. But everybody right. is yelling into a view screen like characters on Star Trek, demanding engineering help me out. You know, I'm losing. Um, Oh, I don't know, the warp core is about to go into overdrive or whatever. Right. You're yelling at medical, medical. You know, I've got this virus. You know, this, I've got these lesions and sores all over my skin. I'm dying. Can you can you create some sort of synthetic protein and upload it to the mainframe so I can download it and inject myself or what have you? So you have to because you are in essence LARPing, be playing the game yeah. through a video screen, and it works really well. It's probably my favorite experience via Hangouts, just because it's very light, very easy to run. Um, I'm very happy with the way it turned out. And I've found that a lot of people have uploaded the footage to YouTube of, of sessions that they've played. That's really fun to watch. Yeah, so that's, that was, that's kind of a fun game. I had forgotten about that, too, actually. It's funny you say that. I was like, uh, oh, yeah, son of a bitch. I, did I forgot that, about I? this game I wrote. That's exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, would, that's, that is one of those games. I've, I've never had a chance to play it, but I've, I, uh, I very much would like to. So, Don, we should add that to our list of uh, games to make people watch us play on, right. uh, on this this whole podcast thing. Uh, <laughs> Don, like do you have anything new you're running? Or anything? What, what are um, you running? No, I'm not. I'm not running anything. Um, although, I'm thinking about, uh, I think I mentioned it last time, getting the other, uh, my kids and my friend Sean's kids, who range from 10 to 16 and running 5e for them and us and maybe even the wives. I don't think you have mentioned that. That would be interesting. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, that's new to yeah. me. So yeah, his he's he's got two teenage girls and then my son is 14 now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um and we had this long talk my son and I because he's he's quite picky about who he games with. I'm like, "You know what? When you're my age, you know there's no such thing as a perfect group. There are groups and you just have to play, man. You have to make them perfect, damn it. Right. right. Have the perfect experience with that group, yeah. uh, which, you know, isn't going to exist. But still, right. enjoy it, damn it. Right. Uh, what about you? You mentioned, uh, I know you just ran Axe over the weekend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, we had uh, Iron Coast Axe um, last night, uh, Sunday night. Uh, that was fun. We're. I, I don't know how this keeps happening. We keep getting new players in that group. Uh, and, like, Don, you're the only person who's actually left that group, so it just, the table keeps, well, that's not true. Oh, no, I'm still there. I'm yeah, still we, there. no, you're not, you're not there anymore. You're gone. No, sorry. no, I You're am. out. No. Nope. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm sorry, I forgot about Scott, who also, he moved away and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, oh, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's getting to the point where, um, I know I mentioned this, I've mentioned this the last couple of sessions, like, oh, we're getting into the domain game part of it. Like, we're at the domain game. Like, they, they, uh, they're skipping ahead several months and just doing, you know, like, oh, we're raising troops. And, you know, in this, the summer, we're going to attack the next barony over. And hearing them make plans for what they're planning on doing is pretty cool. Uh, because they forget that I'm there. You know, they just start talking about, like, oh, we're going to go raise an army and we're going to go fight these guys. Like, yeah, that's going to work. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, fun, guys. Uh, but you know, so that's uh, that's something that's been a lot of fun for me. Um, but what I do want to um, say that is new, or it's not really new. Um, I uh, at, again at Marmalade Dog Convention in Kalamazoo, I ran two sessions of DCC. But rather than running any prepared materials, I just kind of did like improvised settings. Uh, or sessions where we just kind of like sat down and I had like an idea of where we were starting and then I just let and let them take it wherever they were gonna go and it was a blast. Uh, I uh, some cases I had folks who were completely new to the system, completely new to uh, some cases old school gaming in general, and uh, I don't really do it like a lot of old school stuff when this sort of environment because nobody had characters at the outset. You're like, okay, well here's an index card and we're going to write stuff down that's important. And, you know, so it was only vaguely DCC and that, you know, it didn't like follow the rules, you know, it followed the rules that I wanted to follow, uh, which was a lot more fun for everybody at the table. Uh, and it, you know, as far as con experiences go, it was, it was an absolute blast. Um, we, uh, I got to game with Pete Schwab both every, both nights, which was both every nights. Yeah. Good job, Adam. But both nights, which was, which was good. Um, especially because he's the guy who sent us the letter. That's our next episode. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and I recorded an interview with him because he's the first person I've ever seen wearing a DSR t-shirt who I'm, who's not me or my wife. So, uh, um, nice. yeah. So, uh, you've got the files for that. I think done the, the interview I did with him. It was a great convention. It was really cool. Uh, I kind of used this idea that Doug and I have been experimenting with of like emergent characters where you only get stats when you when you need them. So mm-hmm. like instead of like rolling three d six at the start and being like, "What kind of character can I make with this?" You're like, "Okay, I'm a fucking wizard." That means um, when I'm rolling intelligence, I get to reroll if it sucks, and I want to put that stat somewhere else. You know. So it's it's just been a um, and there will probably be a post from me on my blog about this really soon. But uh, it was it's a it's a n- different way of looking at uh, games for me like this that's been a lot more fun and it's a lot more it, it's kind of more story gamey but um, then you know straight up OSR stuff but I'm happy with that you know I, I don't really care I'm happy to erase that line blur it at least a little bit other than that my other games are still going strong and having a good time uh, Metal Gods has been involving lots of weird cannibalism uh, Boulder Bears. Uh, I ran, um, the Lair of the Feathered Swine, or Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine by Logan Knight recently with that group, um, which I kind of reskinned to make it not so obvious what I was running, and that, uh, that was a blast. Um, nice. pretty sure that's about all that's going on with me, gaming-wise. So, yeah, it's, I've been having a lot of fun lately. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, have you read the, Have you read uh, uh, Sleeping Place sleep, Sleeping Place of the Feathered Swine? No, but the title intrigues me. Logan Knight wrote it for uh, Lamentations. It's a real simple little adventure. You know, um, he did some uh, neat things with the map, which is fun. Like mm-hmm. the map is like in all these little cut up pieces, and you know, um, it's one of those things that uh, if played the way. Uh, that, I mean, if if you play it in a particular way, you could totally death frost doom your whole campaign, and uh, nice. that's what we did with it. So good, good time. So, all right, uh, I think we're about at the end of this part of the show. Definitely, it's rare that we actually get here this swiftly. No, it's nine fifty. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this is us. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Raphael, thank you for joining us. And um, we'll see you all in just a little bit uh, when we're going to talk about 
Uh, well, we have a special reader request, and I kind of gave it away last time. But uh, we're going to be talking about campaign building and, you know, our camp- world building and campaign sufficiency. What do you need to get a campaign rolling? Uh, if you have any questions for us, anything you'd like to tell us, please feel free to drop us a line at dsr at kickassistan.net. Uh, and we will see you in a week, you gorgeous listeners. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And thanks, Raphael. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.